Welcome back to the point. Do 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 do. Welcome back to the point. My name is David. Or oh, I said my first name. I mean Migs. Who are you? I know. I'm Ian. Is that a spoiler? Is that evident before? It's on our website. Oh, okay, yeah. That we use solely to host our podcast. Been going under this code name for so long, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, it throws me off when I say it on this podcast, and it definitely throws me off when you call me David. So, I explicitly try not to. <laughs> I know, I know, it's true. All right, well, we're back. We're this is our first podcast with the season actually going on. We're 14 games in. That's a good place to pick up where we last left off before the season. Um, it's good to be back. Good to be podcasting again. I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Discussing things about the young season. Um, so I guess let's uh, jump right into it. I think we want to talk about how the team's been doing in general. So I'd like you to kick things off and, and tell me what you think. Um, I think the team's been doing just okay. Uh, just okay. Just okay, yeah. Uh, not I great, mean, not bad. We, okay. sign, we sign Eric Carlson... Honestly, a bit late um, into the beginning of the season, or uh, in training camp, we literally signed him like an hour after training camp started, or something like that, when they were still doing media availability, and uh, and then he didn't really arrive for three, four days, or maybe a week, or something like that. So, I think, I think maybe some of the early things he, I I, I honestly think if he had arrived maybe around the trade deadline he or not the trade deadline uh free agency i think he might have acclimated a little bit better right i think he just would have had more time with meet with the coaches and more time to just get like settled into the bay area and all that before having to do everything at once he he really has just been like shoved into the new situation right away um and he's yeah not, with all with all the emotional stuff that i yeah. mean he was going through but it was just I mean, at least he got through training camp, but it was, like, right at the beginning, so it was probably yeah. a lot to swallow at once. Yeah, and he left a mess, too. Like, it was a messy situation for, yeah. like, three or four different reasons. Um, he has a fresh start here, but it's, uh, yeah, you know, you can tell it's it's not going as well as he'd like. Um, he's not gelling perfectly with the team yet, pretty much with any of his partners except for Dylan, really. I think mm. he's been doing just fine with Dylan. Um, but then that means Dylan gets more ice time. Some people complain about that. But, yeah, I think basically the biggest thing about the Sharks this season is that Thornton is back to go again um, and that we got Carlson. I think the biggest storyline so far is that Carlson has had his individual troubles, I think mostly with chemistry. Um, if you watch the games... Uh, you can tell that he's really, um, like, individual moves and just, like, skill moves for, like, waiting out a four-checker in order to get some time and space to make a stretch pass instead of dumping it or making a pass um, that people might not expect. Like, you can tell that that happens, and there's been a couple, unfortunately, like, goals resorting of that. Specifically, there was the, like, really hard rim-around type thing that Dylan thought was a pass to him and then ended up in a turnover, and then they scored a goal right after that. Um, there's just been a couple of uh, 
situations that haven't really gone well. So that's that's pretty much my take. I think yeah. that's the biggest story so far. Um, Thornton's also been out with an infection resulting of his knee and only recently been back in the past two, three games. So, Well, I think the Carlson thing, there's def- it definitely makes sense that there is that chemistry that's still building. I don't think I've seen anything so egregious where it's like, oh, wow, he is so not gelling with the team. I will admit I've had this fear that's kind of settled that settles in me of, of you know, if he's ha- not having success or the team's not doing awesome, what if he's, like, turned off from, from the team and he won't want to resign? So I think that's, like, a, a I wouldn't say a deep-seated fear, but something that I think about and worry about a little bit because I, I definitely see what you're saying about the lack of, of gelling in certain situations or things not going as smoothly or as high offensive production as you would like, but... Um, I think he's still making a, a definitely at least a minimal positive impact, right? You could definitely see his skill and talent when he adds to the team in driving play. So I think it's overall a positive thing and I still expect it to get better with time. So yeah, I, we wanted to talk about what the expectations were with Carlson coming in versus what the reality has been in this first eighth of the season or so. So I think we were so excited when when he got traded to us, and rightly oh so, because he's arguably the, the best defenseman in the league, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, you're totally right. Their chemistry needs to build, and he went through a lot when he started with the team coming to San Jose. And I still think he's kind of... I, th- I still think he's kind of ramping up to his game, and he's had some really good games in terms of what he brings to driving offense and 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 feeding uh, like stretch passes and just smart defensive plays, holding onto the puck just a little bit longer than most players would because he can and he's looking for that option that opens up with waiting a little bit longer. And those things are really exciting to see. And I think he, among other teams, among other things with the team that's happening, uh, make this team at least very exciting to watch, even though we're not like. 10 and 4 or like 11 and 3 were like more of a middling record but I think what he think adds among last other things win, makes it really exciting. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. I think with last night's win we're officially like above 500 now. I think we're 7 3, three and, and 4, four? Some, something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, exactly what you're saying. Even last night Carlson had the like he had two four checkers on him around the right dot um in our defensive zone and then he does like some two or three amazing skill moves just to get out of that and then starts an amazing rush up the ice mm-hmm. and it's just like yeah Vlasic doesn't do that you know yeah Vlasic his ability to protect the puck when players are trying to reach around him and then just and just abuse them because they they oh, take yeah. that extra time to try and reach around and then he just accelerates away yeah, it just really creates fast. opportunities because he draws a player to him and like I said, he waits that extra like half second sometimes mm-hmm. on plays that just opens up opportunities because he's looking, he's always aware. And yeah. part of the problem is that like he'll, he'll wait and he'll go for an opportunity. And like you said, maybe a teammate's not ready for it or the pass is too hard or, or something. But I still really like what he brings. And I think the more he's with the team, like the more it'll make sense and work well. Because I think it's just 
it's like we're almost there, like we're on the cusp of, of these things, like just meshing and going really well, but not all the way. Yeah, like you can see him, like when the four checker comes in, they kind of make that like little big U-shaped turn where they have their stick out to the side and they're right. waiting for it to come. And most people, like as they start to close in, most people will like make a, a quick pass across to their partner before yeah, they've gotten it. too yeah. low or they'll go up the boards um, to the person waiting at the red line or the blue line. But like there's been a few times where Carlson literally just like does like a quick like shoulder fake or something like that so that the player continues their U shape but he hasn't actually moved. Yeah. And now he now the player is like leaving his area instead of entering his area so he's like re- being relieved of pressure and can make a can make a play. And it's just a couple times you see that a game when you're really just like when you put yourself on the defenseman when you have when they're trying to break out and then you look at the the reads that they do where they have like their near person, the person on the red line, the person stretching on the blue line. Mm-hmm. And you see them go through the reads just like a quarterback does. And they're like easy, like this is the design play. This is my backup. And this is like the emergency. Yeah. And so many times it's just like the easy play is, you know, the center making a swing back towards the defenseman as they can help retrieve the puck and move it forward. And it's, he just like will do a quick little shoulder fake or a quick little like half step thing, and then boom, it's like stretched to Vander Kane waiting on the wing on the far blue line. You're like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> cool. So stuff like that, man. It's like I could get used to that, and it's honestly it's really fun watching him. Um, and, and the thing is, is like uh, he takes a lot of shots. He gets a lot of shots on yeah. goal. And he hasn't scored yet, which is sad. But he also isn't, like, the biggest scorer. Um, so, like, he generally finishes with below 20 goals, like 15 to 20 goals a season. Right. Closer to 20. That's um, still just based a lot. On his, yeah, which is great from a yeah. defenseman, for sure. And, like, his assists, he, you know, he's like, I don't... He's, like, a 60, 70-point player, so... Yeah. That leaves him with, like, what, 50, 60 assists. So, clearly, he gets more assists. Whereas Burns is... A, more goal scoring um, or has the ability to score more goals but uh, yeah like you would expect basically like you were saying it's like an eighth waste in the season you would expect him to have like two goals by mm-hmm. now, you know like just like one at least one so there is a little bit of a monkey on his back I'm sure that he's putting Definitely. on himself and like we don't expect him like personally I don't expect him to have like four goals but one would be great um and two would be cool, but, like, I don't really expect three or more, you know? I know it's been said before, but once I think once he gets his first goal, like you said, that monkey will be off his back a little bit and he can oh, play sure. a little bit relaxed. Because I think he might... Oh, that'd be great. Just slightly, he might be forcing things a little bit to try and score. Which, in my mind, it's... Maybe it's sometimes it's led to uh, to rushes the other way for the other team. Not Not very much, I would say. But it's a little bit forced, which most of the time I'm okay with. To be honest, when I watch the games, these last four or five games, or maybe even longer than that, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just hoping for him to get his first goal because I know that'll oh, be yeah, exciting. Totally. <laughs> you know, he also takes a lot more slap shots. He does, than yeah. Burns he does. doesn't like, risk it like Burns does. He, like, winds I think he, up quick, quickly, too. Yeah, he has a tall, he, he, his backhand, his backswing is, like, really tall. Yeah, he's really he good at, like, that... torquing his whole body through it, like, quick. Did you say twerking? Twerking. Like twerking? Twerking. <laughs> twerking. He twerks, and that's he how he twerks. shoots. 
I think he uses this really tall slap shot with the big backswing. I think he uses it as fakes a lot, too. Yeah. Because clearly it's a signal, and we've seen him three or four times to do, like, slap passes yeah. off of that, but then also just as many times, like, do a slap shot. But he's had so, so many good chances lately. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, to he's score gonna, where you think it's, like... Soon. He had a shot. I think that we went to the we went to the Anaheim game last week, and mm-hmm. in Anaheim, and we I think he had a chance right in the slot, and I think he shot it wide or something like that, um, like between the circles, uh, and he's just had those opportunities. Uh, but he's getting a lot of his shots blocked. I think his players mm-hmm. are definitely committing to him, and uh, I think we've seen a lot of good goaltending <laughs> from other teams. But they've had to because we put like forty-five shots on every team. Yeah, it's been. Fr- I mean, there's been a, a specific, a few teams that has had like really good goaltending. Yeah. Um, like every time we play Anaheim, but that's really just Anaheim versus everyone. And yeah. then there's been one or two instances where we've had some hot goaltenders, but it's always nice when we play Philadelphia that they have terrible goaltending, which is nice. <laughs> I wouldn't um, say that. Uh... Who was it? Uh, Calvin Pickard last night? I wouldn't say he had a he's bad He's like a night. career backup. Like, he's good, but he's a career backup. Yeah. He's not bad, but he's he's not good. Was he the one that used to be part of the Sharks organization, or was that... No. Another backup that I'm thinking of that was with, like, St. Louis or something. I yeah, that's Carter Hutton with St. Louis. Huh. Yeah. it's You're thinking of Carter Hutton with St. Louis. I'm thinking of yeah. who, sorry? Carter Hutton. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. yeah, Calvin Carter. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but I'm just kind of just brings me to to Carlson. Like, if you look at his possession stats and his advanced metrics, like he's dominating. Mm-hmm. Like he generates so much offense through the shots he takes and his breakouts, and he does have. He already has seven assists, so like you know he he's scoring. He's just not scoring goals. Um. It's just in, yeah, he already has 41 shots, which is a, a lot of shots. That's like averaging something like three a game or something like that, maybe more than that. Yeah. Um, but yes, but the thing, like all of his advanced stats are, are pointing in a very, very good direction. It's just plus minus. It's minus nine. I think it's almost worse than the team. And if you look at his career oh, plus I didn't minus. I realize he's had such a bad minus stat. Yeah, his career his career plus minus is forty five negative forty five, but then he also played on Ottawa and there's years where he finished negative thirty, negative fifteen, negative twenty five. Like last year he was negative twenty five. Like, sorry, yeah, like, you're not gonna like yeah. So he's being dragged down by that. And I think this plus minus, this is plus minus is like you get scored against, you get scored for. Obviously, duh. But like these egregious like. Um, non-chemistry filled turnovers that he's causing or he's forcing on another player by them not being ready which again is not necessarily his fault right like specifically that Dylan pass like it's not necessarily Carlson's fault that Dylan wasn't ready for it but it's clearly due to that pair's lack of chemistry that that goal happened mm-hmm. right um, so I look at all these plus minuses and I see, okay, yeah, he's definitely getting hammered. And like when he's making these mistakes, they're pretty egregious and they're getting scored on. 
for sure. He's also on the ice like half the game. And he, yeah, and that's the other thing too. He's he's on the ice for like almost I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but he's on the ice for above twenty five minutes a game. Yeah, and I think he played twenty nine minutes like one of the last couple of games or something like that. Twenty nine plus minutes. Yeah, yeah, totally. And yeah. when that happens, it doesn't matter. Like you will, your plus minus will suffer, which is another reason why people hate it as a stat. Um, and so that's. That's why I think everything will be okay, you know. Like, he's one of the game's most skilled players, and it hasn't gone well, but it's not gone, like, bad, you know. Like, it's just you see the caliber of player he has the ability to be, and you see that chemistry is currently what's holding him back. Yeah. And, yeah, it's... I, I definitely agree. I think the chemistry isn't fully there, but I think it's definitely building... I think for sure, definitely. I think that, like you said, there have been some egregious things that have led to goals. Maybe less so lately, but trying to connect this whole, you know, Carlson in particular as a player to the way the team has been playing as a whole. You know, I like, I like the way the team is playing defense. I think the penalty kill has been great. When I see other Mm. teams in our zone, like they, I, I don't feel like other teams unless they have some surge of momentum because they are down or there um, some specific instances where they're, where they're putting a push on. I think our team defense is really good. But I think what's killing us, um, just expanding upon those egregious mistakes, not just Carlson. I mean, he's part of some of them, but the team as a whole, they're letting in some goals at times that whether it's due to bad goaltending or bad just defensive errors... Mm-hmm. Um, just like missed assignments where we're getting scored on. And yeah. that, you know, that that doesn't worry me as much as, as if our like formations and our defensive coverage as a whole was terrible. Because I think we're really mm-hmm. good in terms of our, our structure, our team structure when we play D. But I think what's killing us in a lot of games, I wouldn't say killing us because we're doing okay. But when a teams are scoring on us, it's a, they're taking advantage of us on mistakes that we make. Um, yeah. And what's frustrating swinging it to the offensive part of the game is man we burn we burn other teams on defensive mistakes to make but i feel like we're not execute we're not scoring on on those chances as much as other teams are against us you know i wish we would capitalize on other people's mistakes as much as they did on ours so far this season in this sample size that we have yeah i'm not sure if i agree with that okay I just think that I don't necessarily think you're wrong. I just I haven't really paid attention to that. I, yeah, I, I mean, I definitely say, don't. I think that's it's all more, I test. I don't have any like advanced stats to back that up. But yeah, um, I think I think it's just most noticeable when we get scored on. Yeah, you know, because when we score, we're just excited. We're not like, oh, you see, that was due to the defensive breakdown. But when you get scored against, you're like, oh, why did that happen? Like, ah, uh. and you're like, oh, stupid X. Like they missed their assignment. That's why. Yeah, but when we get scored, when we score, it's just like, oh my gosh, like Timo scored. Yeah, and then you do a little dance, and that's all. But I also probably have my bias of perceiving that when we do score, it's due to like hard work and (laughs) and really (laughs) driving the offense and making like great plays, and you know their defense can't do much about it. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that is how I view it. But like I said, because I'm putting on the rose-colored glasses or. Uh, whatever, yeah. I'm seeing it with a certain bias. Uh, I'm not really seeing defensive breakdowns that the other teams make as much, perhaps. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. how do you... I feel like we've 
pretty much hit on this pretty well. I think the only thing we haven't covered is how Carlson's been integrated in terms of um, pairings in, yeah. in time on ace. Uh, I, I I'll just say pairings and probably the power play. I don't know. It seems like it's been bumped around a little bit, and he's yeah. on the ice for so so long, mm-hmm. a little bit more than everybody else, that he is going to play with maybe one partner for most of the time and then a second secondary partner <laughs> part of the time. Yeah, I think well, when you have to get 25 minutes a night and your partner is not also getting 25 minutes a night, you'll be passed Like, the better player with the more tail eye will get passed around. Like, yeah, I think... Joachim Ryan, I don't think, is getting as much time on ice as he... Maybe not as much as he'd like, but I'm sure he's getting way less than Burns. Right, I don't, you know? yeah, I don't see him very prominently in games. But I think he's been doing well when he does play. Anyway, yeah. back to your question, though. I think when I see Carlson and Vlasic together, I think it's kind of weird because over the past two or three seasons, Vlasic's kind of taking it upon himself to become more of an offensive player. So mm-hmm. I think he goes for shots a little bit more. Um He's probably had to take a slight step back when he's playing with Carlson because of just the type of player that Carlson is. But I think what's been working better is when uh, when Dylan's paired with Carlson. Um, I don't know. I I like. I, we've talked about this in the last few weeks since the season started. But I really like the defensive player. I really like the player that Dylan has become in general. I think as far as our our fit five or six D, I think he's a great great player to. Uh, to fit in that in that role and he's really worked on getting his skating better in the last few seasons and really mm-hmm. see you can really see the way he can accelerate and jump up and uh he just makes like pretty good decisions too he's defensively responsible too and i think he under he fits better in that role of supplementing carlson a little bit better i think um yeah so I, I don't know. I I think I like I think I like keeping Vlasic and Braun together because they've had so much success, and you know in certain situations they're going to be with Carlson just because he's on the ice for so long. But then yeah. Dylan being the primary partner for Carlson, I think that's worked well. To be honest, I don't pay the most attention to that, but that's what in my mind I think I see. Yeah, I wish I could. I, I don't want to stop and figure out who he's been deployed with the most in terms of partners using some of some of the websites that are available to do that but um i yeah originally he was i think he started the season with dylan and then that quickly like didn't work out so then they shifted to vlasic or no no he started with vlasic and then that kind of worked but then it started to not work and then DeBoer has been really struggling to get he's been shuffling lines a lot and defensive pairings, and um, people have been really upset about that in terms of fans online. Yeah, uh, I've been a little bit. I, I don't. I was like a little bit baffled why he did it during the last game. But go ahead. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. I think we can talk about that a little later. But um, like, you look at who um, has been partnered with. Uh, Carlson in the past basically Mark Mathot yeah um, for the majority of his career I think when he was in Ottawa um, and Mark Mathot is just like a solid defensive player he just he's he's good he's not great but he's like a good solid player 
Yeah. And I think Vlas, I think that would basically be the Braun role or a Dylan role. Probably Mark Mathot might be a little bit better than Dylan. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily sure if there's a huge difference there. Um, but I still, I think most naturally we, we felt that Dylan was supposed to be there. But then you have the hard times of like, okay, how does Vlasic get paired against the team's toughest competition? How does Burns get deployed in such a way where he can score the most? And how can, Vlas- how can Carlson also be ploy- deployed similarly to Burns, but m- maybe not the same? I don't know what Carlson's very specific strengths are. Yeah. And then you have three players who, are, who should be getting like above 20 minutes a night of ice time, and it's like you only have 120 minutes to put across your defensemen. Mm-hmm. And that's 60 right there. Um, maybe that's not right. Two <laughs> defensemen at 60 minutes a game is 120 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, oh, anyways, I think you get where I'm going. Oh, but anyways, yeah. Then, yeah then how do you spread? Play affects that too. You might yeah, yeah, yeah totally. How do you how do you spread out that ice time across these three great players? With two, it's a little bit easier. With three, it just gets harder. Because then that means someone like Joachim Ryan or Dylan is going to also be getting more elevated minutes or is basically just going to like not be playing. And I think that might have started to happen to Ryan. I don't think he's had a ton of ice time. Um, he, yeah, he's had like 11 minutes of ice time a game on average, Ew. which is not a lot. <laughs> and yeah. Brendan Dylan has had about 15. So you can see where the sharks are kind of leaning. Yeah. With that. Um, what are, do you happen to know 20. what Vlasic and Braun's time times are? Right Braun there. had twenty and Vlasic has twenty-three. Burns has twenty-four, and Carlson leads the team with twenty-five. Okay. This is time on ice per game played. I mean, that seems about right with. Yeah, you so, can definitely so, see how that five and six D are are that that discrepancy shafted. is a lot bigger between the fourth defenseman. Braun. So they're the five. Technically, they're the fifth and sixth defenseman on the depth chart. Yes, yeah. but Joachim Ryan is paired with Burns. Burns is playing twenty three, twenty four minutes a night, twenty four, thirty six a night. How do you, you know, like so you have to start managing time a little bit and people. Yeah, are see, that's shafted. the thing. It's not as because clear as time, just like three pairings. Yeah, but when you have, th- but the thing is, is this is the kind of crux I've been taking way too long to get to. But when you have Burns playing at 24 minutes a night, you also have Carlson playing at 25 minutes, almost 26 minutes a night. He's at 25:57, and Burns is at 24:36, and neither one of those players are very good defensively responsible. Like they're okay, but they're definitely not great. Um, and Vlasic is being deployed outside of them. There will be significant portions of the game, you know, maybe five, six time on ice, you know, like four or five shifts, six shifts together where they are together and they're not going to play the whole time in the offensive zone. And it's not only going to be on the power play, right? It's going to be breaking out or defending a rush coming back the other way. And that is where we've seen a lot of these issues. And so I feel like Burns, or not Burns, DeBoer has tried to mitigate this by having two defensively irresponsible players in Carlson and Burns. And obviously they're okay. Burns, I think you can talk a little bit later how you feel Burns is playing as we move forward in our topics. But, um, 
yeah, you get some players playing like that, and then the more pieces you have to manage to give significant chunks of time on ice, the more your lines are kind of get blended as you try to achieve that. Yeah. Because it's like Joachim Ryan is not getting the same amount of time on ice that Burns is, and neither is Brendan Dillon, or neither is Braun. Braun is getting more, but so I think ideally. Brendan Dillon would be good with Carlson because then you have Carlson and then Vlasic with Braun. And then you have Burns with Joachim Ryan. And then you on one time of the game, you have Carlson, Burns, or Vlasic on and all the time. And, like, how do you handle that? But I think we've come to the point where we're seeing that, and I'm not really sure if that's the best way to deploy it because it's leading to significant defensive mistakes. And well, maybe that will get better as they get more chemistry amongst the team. Yeah. You know, I I guess for our next podcast, I would need to start pay, paying attention in the upcoming games about what it looks like when Carlson is with, you know, that with with Carl, when Carlson are, and Burns are with uh, either each other or um, Dylan or Ryan and see, you know, if we well, get scored on more often. It, you know, just watching games, I don't see that really being very evident, you know. So this this issue of de- what, how you're going to deploy, deploy the defenseman, you're going to sacrifice something in some case, right? Yeah, um, and I think, I think we're seeing the early season figuring it out. Definitely. You know, I, think, I think if we Vlasic's have this discussion... Vlasic's made mistakes and, too, though. Like, Vlasic and Braun got beat in the first minute of the game last night. Because yeah, they overcommitted, sure. like that's our shutdown pair, and they got beat. You know, uh, yeah. they made a defensive mistake, or it was actually, you know, the other team just had a great three on two. Um, but that was actually because Thornton couldn't get back. Yeah, well, he's slow right now. Yeah, and that's the whole thing. <laughs> he's like our like, slowest. He's like our he second maybe slowest is getting player. More ice time. He's maybe yeah. getting more ice time than he should at this point, because he couldn't get back and cover that third man high. Yeah, well. Anyway, I, I'm not too – I think that will get sorted. I think – I don't know. I think that they're going to have to, as the season progresses, they're going to have to use their depth a little bit more probably. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't just fatigue your, your top two or three so much maybe. Um, who knows how injuries will play a role too. But Anyway, I don't know. I don't have a I don't have a very clear answer. It's a good question. It's a good topic to keep thinking about. I just don't think yeah. that there's any definitive answer of, you know, Vlasic should be with Carlson or Dylan should be with Carlson. I think it's just something that we need to see play out. Like you said, it's still a work in progress. Yeah, I think my last thought on that is um I would not be surprised if he has but then this goes against my thing too. Like, I would not be surprised if he goes back to his identity of Carl or uh, Vlasic and Braun together. Yeah, I think they have created an identity that is maybe the, one of the best in the league in terms of the chemistry they have and the shutdown way they're deployed. Um, but then that kind of leaves Burn. That kind of leaves Carlson outside of it. You know, so I think I think Carlson and Vlasic might be get might get paired together a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And and the thing, but the thing is, is like the team has the ability, like early last season, or early the first season without Marlowe, we were winning games, like two to one, yeah, two, two to, to one, two and two. we were we were winning by defense. Yeah, you know, we could not score goals, but we were not going to allow very many goals as well. 
and we were playing with people who were like, Joachim Ryan was basically a rookie, you know? And the defense was more or less exactly the same, with, except for they don't have Carlson. Like, we have the ability to really eke out these games with anyone on the roster, as far as the defensive side. Any one of these people can really eke out these, like, 1-0 wins, lest we forget that Carlson was playing for Guy Boucher in Ottawa, and that's how they won their, like, entire season, the way they went to the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. They literally just did 1-0 wins and tried to they had their like samurai thing that they were trying to do. But basically it's played defensive hockey the whole entire time and it wasn't very interesting, but they made it a one goal away from the Stanley Cup final. Like Yeah. Carlson can do this too. It's just we have the people on the roster to do it. Carlson is new to the roster, but he has the ability to do it. We'll figure it out. And the reason why I don't think we are fretting too much about this is because it's clear the depth and the skill we have, the ability is there, and it's even there within a game, but often not for the entire game. Yeah. I know you disagreed with me about this earlier, but I think if we can clean up, you know, particular circumstantial mistakes on the defensive side, it'll be okay. I think the way that our defensemen are playing most of the time is good. You know, you could say Carlson and Burns, you could just slap that label of, defensively irresponsible players so you really got to be careful what other defensemen you put on there to make sure that you cover their mistakes but the way I view it I don't view it that way like how are those players actually playing defensively we already talked I already mentioned a little bit we already talked about what Carlson can do even in the defensive zone um, to shake off players right Mm. Um, it seems like the those egregious mistakes we were talking about have been maybe neutral zone errors or offensive zone errors that lead to, to rushes the other way, right? That bite us, yeah. in, the, bite us in the backside. But I think overall, and I think that's been more evident with Carlson as he's been seeking to mesh with the team and his teammates. But when you, when you, when you talk about Burns, and I wanted to mention this, I think Burns compared to last season is really started to get back to the way he was that, that season prior, which was, correct me mm-hmm. if I'm wrong, that was, um, what's his name? The, uh, the assistant coach, that's another Florida, Florida. Bob Bugner. Bob Bugner's last season, right? And everybody said, like, he was, like, uh, Brent Burns' guru, right, to, to help him yeah. become more defensively responsible. But I think he's getting kind of back to that. Like, he, last season was kind of a bit of a mess with his defensive play, but I think so far this season he's cleaned things up a bit, and he's... His decision making, I think, is is better. Where he's mm-hmm. still making incredible plays that lead to offense and stretch passes and like timely behind the back passes, knowing where other player is, with less like mistakes on those plays that lead to um, chances going the other way. And I think he's still doing his Brent Burns thing of really, you know, getting shots shots on net and and feeding other players and everything. I think he's been really fun to watch, and I think. Carlson's figuring things out. He's still been really good, and what he adds to the team is awesome and makes the team really fun to watch. But I think Brent Burns has been the star defenseman so far uh, this year with what he's he's still been contributing. And he's gotten, like, he had, like, what, a nine-game point streak along with Hurdle and now Couture, and he's been, uh, he's been doing really well, I think. So, anyway, I don't know if you want us to talk about Burns at all. You may disagree with me on that point, too, but I really like the way his all-around game has been so far. So I think Burns is doing basically as good as he was, like you just said, with, with Bob Bugner. I honestly think that 
it wasn't the Bob Bugner whisperer for Burns, <laughs> like Burns being whispered to. I don't think Bob Bugner was the Burns whisperer. I literally just think Burns is in his own head, like so much, and it's just all mental. And hopefully, his like Texas ranch and all that wildlife. <laughs> you think is it's the ranch is the whisperer? Dude, it's the ranch is the whisperer. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Because like you see him in the inanimate location is what speaks to Burns and helps him. Uh, well, I, or maybe it's, it's li- his exotic it's, animals that he raises. It's like literally sports psychology is what is doing this to him. Because it, it's it's not like his play is bad or he's making like his shot has gone wrong and his technique is doing this or he's started doing something else. It's literally just decision making. And it's like, and, that, and that's just, it's a choice. It's like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pinch here instead of doing that. And I, I think maybe he has improved in that area, however, but I don't necessarily think it has, it was like Bugner bringing peak Burns out and like we can't get that unless we get Bugner back. Like Burns is currently a 1.4, 1.14 point per game player, 14 games played, 16 points with three goals. Like he's doing great. Yeah. And that means he's basically... If he keeps this up, he'll probably hit around the same point totals he had when Bugner was here. So I don't really care what it is. I just notice he's still playing the same type exactly. of way. He's being mm-hmm. the same player, but he, in terms of doing a stupid thing every once in a while or just not covering things well on defense, I think mm-hmm. he's doing much better. I agree. And I think when he's playing like defense itself, like, man on man like going for somebody like getting his stick out he's really effective at stopping players uh one-on-one individually i think too so yeah and but he's got his super long stick he's got his big body he's got definitely assets that help him with that but maybe that's not really what people are arguing it's like we're talking about the decision making so yeah. i'm not sure anybody's even arguing this it's what we've seen um but yeah i think we can that's kind of what we were thinking about with Carlson and how the initial season went versus expectations, blah, blah, blah. But I think lately the Sharks have looked subpar. Um, and we've seen DeBoer do a lot of um, line shuffling and defense combo shuffling. And even a little bit on the power play, too. It hasn't, it kind of evened out a bit. And now the power play is scoring, but he still hasn't found um, the exact setup he wants. Like it's still moving around a bit. Mm-hmm. Like in, since in 30, inserting Thornton, he's again moved the power play around a little bit in terms of personnel and stuff, and somehow Vlasic still squeaks onto the power play <laughs> when we still have Burns and Carlson. And I don't Carlson. I mean Vlasic, you're good, but rest a little bit. Like power play is not yeah. where we need you unless you're really worried about keeping a lead at the end of the game and if they get a breakaway going the other way something like that then like sure why not no but, but I think Vlasic like like I said he goes he goes for things more he'll take shots more including on the power play yeah um, I just don't think he should be in the power play it's not very high percentage in my, <laughs> in my view yeah I mean he had a good point total the other year so like yeah. good for him but we don't need you to play that role yeah but I also think it's good if he does because the team should play the same way all the time in terms of system instead of only when Carlson or only when Burns is on the ice, you know. So good right. for him. I do think he should be pushing. 
but I'm, I just don't think he was shooting the power play. I'm very confused. I mean, I haven't paid a, a lot of close attention, but I'm confused about what our power play units are even are right now. Like, what's one? What's two? Dude, there. Yeah, it's just I'm a jumble to me right now. You know, I'm of the mind you should just stack the first one because that's guaranteed to play the most time. I mean, I'm so, fine. I'm more of the. I'm. I probably lean more the other way. Sp- spread out balanced. the wealth. I think we have enough talent between. We have. We probably have nine, ten guys that could do really well on the power play altogether. You know. Yeah, but sometimes the first power play unit isn't is out there for like if unless they get have to go back a couple times to like reset. Like the first power play unit very easily can play the whole power play. Yeah, and they do. I mean, Couture, Carlson, Burns. They, those are people that generally start the power play. But Meyer. Meyer's on the number one unit, probably. He, yeah. he gets... Yeah, and exactly. They've been shifting around. So, yeah. you know, who knows? Meyer's really hot. He probably should be... He's leading the... He's tied for the NHL lead in goals right now with 11. He should be on the first power play playing in front of the net. And I think he has a couple times, but maybe he should be there until he cools down. Unless he never cools down, then he should stay there forever and he'll score Which is your dream, because awesome. you love Timo Meyer. Which is my dream, yeah. <laughs> I think the biggest thing for the line combo or the line blender issues that people have been upset about uh-huh. is when he, he split apart Meyer, Hurdle, and Couture. Uh, yeah. Like, that has been constant. Like, that crazy that statistic that they were mentioning success. on the broadcast of how they scored pretty much half of the goals, goals of the team, mm-hmm. up to 42 goals or something like that. Half of them were by that line alone. Like, I don't understand why he split them apart. Um, but it's maybe also you like to best... add juice to some other lines. I don't know. I mean, you expect your top line to score the most goals, so I don't really feel. But like is that our top? Right. Is that our fish? Our top line? When Thornton's there? gone, for sure, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't so... see Pavelski and Thornton's line as being line number one again. I think on paper it might be viewed that way, but I don't view it that way really. Um, yeah, I think that's fair, and I think. If you it's look a, at ice time, it's, it's a soft it's, opening for Kutcher being the number, yeah, like number you, one center now, right? <laughs> yeah. It's not and touted if you, as if you look at line, it, but. If you look at it, like, time on ice, I think it comes out to that Kutcher gets the most time. Yeah, that and line is... Du- and especially now that Thornton has had his injuries and it's been... The hand has been forced a little bit. Yeah. But I think... Well, not only that, Pavelski is slowness like he still can be effective but his slowness yeah, but just slow. puts him on a different level um yeah. the game changed on him yeah it was rough he was mm-hmm. already like not fast and now it's like near it's very Sorry. clear yeah i think so my big thing with the the line shuffling is like yeah if you just look at it you think why would you break up hurdle couture and meyer and okay cool yeah keep them together we just score a lot of goals like i get that but if you look at the last like string of four or five games, like the Rangers game, the Columbus game, um, the Philly game was earlier. There was a couple other games earlier in the week, um, like the Carolina game. Like mm-hmm. all these games, these past recent, there's been at least three games, maybe even more in the past like five games, where the Sharks literally have just like not tried. Yeah, stop playing. Yeah, and, I agree. And, and that's why he shuffles the lines. Like, if we're losing, like, we're not, like, winning and dominating these games. And if we're winning, it's only by just. Or maybe it's just a one-off game in that streak. But, like, the Sharks are doing terrible. Like, they literally, they were totally dominating Carolina. 
something crazy in the shots. It was something like 15 to very few, 15 or more to very few by Carol, in Carolina in the first period. And then we literally just stopped playing for 40 minutes. And then we had a, a did we lost or we took it to overtime and then lost or something like that. And it's like, why can't you just play the whole game? And as a coach, like, why would you not, like, the hurdle Couture and Meyer line also took it off, like, took the game off too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the whole team has been doing this, and how are you supposed, to, as a coach, how are you supposed to say wake up and play if they're not going to wake up and play? It's also like that 15-10 game mark in the NHL where the season is now reality that this is 82 games and the fun has worn off and now it's like turning into a grind, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not it like dog days and like we've let the season be over like it is around like April or February when it's like the 60 game mark. Like it's it's the first wall of the season for sure. And it has been very clear that in like the Rangers game, like the Rangers are a rebuilding team. They literally sold like everyone except for Matt Zuccarello. And they dom- they like dominated us. Mm-hmm. And because we just like weren't trying. And then yesterday uh, DeBoer scratches Suomela, and that's like, wait, what? Like, Suomela's been great. Mm-hmm. But then his reason was like, yeah, he's like literally stopped trying a couple times. And yeah, I, I think that he off. is a player that's let, been less noticeable. I think he did that as a statement to show this yeah. young player, like, you, you need to keep it up. You need to work to keep your spot. You know, he's going to be back in the lineup, but I think he was a statement sure. to him, you know. Yeah, and I think he needed that. Like, yeah, good, good thing. Because you, you're right. Like, the first couple of games, like, Suomelo was, like, super noticeable. And then he got his goal. And I think that was a little bit of a pat on the back for him. And then after that, he hasn't... Like, he's been doing well, statistically, but he hasn't been, like, super noticeable. And I think DeBoer noticed that as well. And so for the, all the line shuffling and stuff, like, part of it is we were... Li- there was, like, a string of three or four games, and everyone looked like crap. And yeah. they weren't playing and they weren't trying. So, like, what is a coach to do? Like, they're all adults. They're all professional athletes. Like, yelling isn't the answer. You mm-hmm. know, you have to... He's in control of what? The lines and what else he's in control of? Ice time. What else he's in control of? Scratching players. Like, he has to use what he has as his abilities to get across to the players that you cannot take a night off. Mm-hmm. And they have completely shown that they have. So, at that point... I don't really care. If we're not playing well, like, I don't really care about breaking up the lines or line combinations because it's not like the Logan Couture hurdle line and Meyer line was, like, the shining light and, like, you know, every time they were on the ice in these really terrible games where we weren't trying, like, they were scoring goals. It's like, maybe they did score the goals, but they were still compliant in the taking the games off and really not trying very well either. So they were complicit with the crime. They were complicit. Yeah. Totally. And they're subject <laughs> to being broken up. Like if we're winning and playing really well and doing all this stuff, like sometimes earlier in the season where we were just having utterly dominant performances for the whole game. Like any and then you shuffle the lines, like okay. Maybe Yeah, I get it. I it's it's one that. of the few tools in the toolbox for a coach. But I think yeah. if you look at the issue of, of what it actually does, you, you probably get into sports psychology a little bit of, is that really effective? And then you go back to the issue of why we're being dominated. Yeah, they might be taking a time off, but maybe the other team is really surging really well too. 
Yeah, so, but when the team that's surging is the New York Rangers, you know, yeah, like I mean, they're literally like the worst team. You're right. You can you can kind of tell. And that's when, when it's bad. Yeah, because like you see Nashville, and we start and we we do get dominated for a period of time, but then we come back and push back and we win. Yeah, and that's a difference that I that I can see where it's we have been getting dominated when we were still trying. Versus you see the game with the Rangers, we were getting dominated, and you just look at it and like they were just exiting the zone and getting the yeah, it was like poor decisions and and not being alert and yeah things like that. Yeah, but I I don't know. I've always thought that you know even Todd McClellan was like this, where he would jumble up the lines and and (laughs) and throw it in the blender, as it were. Okay, and literally Peter, every single coach does this. It's not yeah. a Peter DeVore thing or a Tom McClellan thing. Right, but I'm curious to know, like, if you just kind of keep at it, like, will it not change? Or is yeah, that the only the motivating factor when you change players, where you try and change the chemistry to wake something up? That seems kind of like you're, you're banking on a bit of a myth. Like, oh, well, if I put these players with the different line and different teammates then that'll make them get fired up you know uh but you also see instances where the lines do get jumbled and they're still not trying i know exactly but then as a coach i see your point that's a very good point my like i'm sure the line blender came out in the first period of the rangers game but the second period they probably didn't play well and then the third when they were like why are we losing to the rangers they they started onslaughting (laughs) <laughs> You're like, back. oh, maybe we should try to win this game now. <laughs> yeah, and, and exactly, that's what I'm saying. At some point, where is that wake up well. point? Where what comes? What what causes it? Right. Yeah, I think I think you're kind of attacking it from the player side, and from my point, the coach's side. How long yeah. do you wait? If you it's wait probably too different long, philosophy. That's different coaches. Different. Exactly. <laughs> if you wait too long, you you will lose a game. Yeah. That's. I think that's pretty clear. You will lose a game, if you. And the coach should never lose you the game. Mm. It should, the players should always lose the game for you. And if the coach is losing you the game because he's not making changes that he needs to, and I do not believe that a line-blending thing because the team is not playing well, therefore the lines are being blended, is a reason that the coach is losing the game for you. Right? Yeah. I think if nothing's working well and the coach just says like this is fine and we need to just kind of like wait it out and they'll get going like okay maybe you lose one game that sucks eventually there's only so much you can do because the players need to execute but if that happens over the course of the season and you've lost three games because of that like that could be a playoff spot oh yeah but you're talking about game to game I would definitely understand that situation yeah and that's the thing because when you bring it within game how long do you wait? If you never make a change in the game, it's because within the game you never made a change. What if you only make the change of the third period? Well, then you haven't given yourself time to, enough time to win. So then maybe you make it in the second period. Maybe that's, maybe that's appropriate, but you could also can lose the game in the first period, right? You can be down by two, enter, enter into the second period, and they continue their onslaught. Like, you know, I don't think any of us will ever know what it's like as a player about the type of effort that they're giving and what they're going through, and also as a coach and the assistant coaches, the decisions that they have to make. But I think it's not just a clear-cut, like, 
DeBoer is rolling his lines. He's an idiot. He broke up the hurdle Couture Meyer line. We lost because of it. Oh yeah, I don't think you can say that. I think ultimately, we everyone on our team has the ability to score, and I'm confident in saying that. Like Joachim Ryan and Brendan Dillon and Justin Braun, they don't really score. If you talk about the defense, like half of our defense has the ability to score goals or make create offense. Outside of the defense, literally every forward can score a goal. Sorensen can score. Gaudreau can score. Chartier has now scored. And then <laughs> everyone on the third line or higher totally can score. Like Kane can score. Suomela has shown the ability to score or at least create offense. He scored his one goal. Tonsko can score. That line that I previously named can score. Pavelski can score. Like, literally everyone can score, and if they're just, like, not trying, it's not because the line combination was wrong. It's because the effort's not there. Yeah, so you're... This or is under the or premise we're getting that, dominated by a good opponent. So we're talking about the line lines being blended now, and we're, you're talk, kind of talking from the premise that you... In the coach's toolbox, they'll, they'll use the line blender and change up the lines for the purpose of inciting mental change... Mm-hmm. Of working harder on their players, but then there's you could also make the argument: is it that, or just partially that, or is it more of an issue of you're just trying to find new chemistry between the players? And I feel like that's sometimes what it's touted as, you know? Yeah. Because then it doesn't true. matter if you find new chemistry if they're not working hard. Then if they're not putting in, you can only effort find like they chemistry could, then it's not if, matter. if everyone's working hard. Yeah, and that's a very nebulous thing that you can't really quantify. But I also think it's human nature that you're going to have nights mm-hmm. where your players are, are totally. not stepping on the gas all the way and they're, they're not playing very well, you know? It's just something yeah. that you do have to ride out, so. Yeah, and I think there's, you know, a couple games this season, there's like, yeah, dude, we were just tired. Back-to-back game, like, yep, yeah, it sucks. But when it's in the middle of a road trip or, you know, there's maybe one game a season where that's cool, maybe two. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's periods where that's, I personally don't think that's okay. You're being paid a lot. I understand it's human nature and you should try not to. But it's also not every player is like that too. Like there are players who every single shift are going for it. Yeah. And those players are evident. And that's why coaches love them. That's why, that's why DeBoer loves Melker Carlson. Like he's not going to score. He's probably one of the worst players on our team. His contract is probably a little bit too much for what he provides. But he's really good on the penalty kill, always tries really hard, and he's always going all out every shift. Yeah. And that, and as a coach, how are you going to get your team to start trying when they're at the period of like, oh, you know what, it's like game 82, or we've been doing this for a week, I, I want to go home. Like you're saying, just kind of natural. Like how, as a coach, can you extract that effort from a player? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good. Uh... They've been yelled at coaches their entire life. Like you're not going to, you blah 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 like get off your butt and start scoring like that's they've been heard that line a million times like you know right but if you say okay yeah you're on the fourth line now like oh crap like i need to do that or the player's like freaking coach put me on the fourth line like yeah i I would say that that might have a more of a i mean that's part of the line blending but if you knew like a first liner to the fourth line (laughs) i could see how that would have a more of a statement to it right which is yeah. within that concept of, of, of changing the lines. Anyway, I think we've really hammered on this <laughs> line. Yeah, but I think currently it's the biggest thing because yeah. 
I'll, I'll, the last statement I'll say with this is I think this is the most heated topic on like Sharks online fandom right now because the last like five games the Sharks have been doing really poorly and is it to the fans is it is it the chicken or the egg is it the Sharks are playing poorly because DeBoer is line shuffling or are the Sharks not really trying a lot so DeBoer must line shuffle and I'm of the latter I think that there's it's very clear a couple of the games where you played really bad teams where they just look like they're not trying and you yeah. know there are times when the Sharks are trying and being dominated. We saw that in Nashville where we ultimately proved to be the victor and we did win and we showed we were the better team for that game. But there were times where, where Nashville was totally putting the pressure on us and they were, they were holding the momentum. I think recently the reason why DeBoer is line shuffling and I think he's justified for doing it is because the Sharks have had a serious lack of effort in some of the games. Yeah. Three of the last five games or so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and another reason is because Joe Thornton's back. And where do you yeah. put him after the lines were kind of set? Well, yeah. I think... So he was gone. He was he played for two games at the beginning then has an infection where he was out for nine. So he's been back in for two or three now, right? Uh, I, I think he left the second game of the season and then is back for three. He's now played five games. He's missed, yeah, he missed so nine go, games. Going along with what we were saying earlier about Couture's line kind of being the top line, mm-hmm. you kind of have to transition him. I think Paul Gackle or something like somebody like that had an article about how he fits well in third, the third line center position. And it makes sense because he's still actively re- <laughs> rehabbing, right, with getting back into his Game return team. to sport, yeah. as it were. But, you know, I was actually pleased with how he played this last game last night against Philadelphia. I think you could see essential Joe Thornton smarts, hockey smarts, with the way that he was handling the puck. And it wasn't that he was being the fastest skater out there or whatever, but he was smart, you know? And he's, he's, uh, he's, he was Joe Thornton as of the last year or two, where I should say two or three years, he started to shoot more, you know? And mm-hmm. there was direct results <laughs> reaped where he yeah. tied the game up in the third, you know? Like... And he actually said in his post-game interview, yeah, hopefully you'll see more of that this year uh, after get shooting more. So he admitted that he's, <laughs> like, shooting more. Yeah. Um, he's like, I, that's totally what I've been thinking, that he's getting he's towards the end of his career. And he's going to be fed more pucks, too. And he's going to go for it. What's that? He's, he's going to be fed more pucks to shoot. Like, before oh, yeah. it was like, you are feeding everyone. But now there's enough skill around him, and even from the defense regardless of if he's dishing his line, like the defense can dish to him now too. Like there's the above average skill level of this team. Yeah, shows. that's a so great point. He has point. the ability to shoot more if he wants. It helps the transition process. And, you mm. know, it makes sense for him to play on a lower line role, but you don't have to split him apart from Pavelski. It's just them as a tandem and whoever else they're playing with is probably going to have to take a backseat to some of the younger players, you know? Yeah, or I think the, going to. the devil's advocate for that because Thornton was demoted to the third line with um, LeBanc, LeBanc and, and Sorensen? Or Donskoy. Or Donskoy, one so, of the two. Maybe Sorensen, yeah, yeah. With LeBanc for sure. Yeah. And uh, I, think the, I think that's natural for him, and I think he should play there until he can prove that he can be back on the first line where he was playing a point-per-game pace before he injured his knee last season. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care if you look slow. If you're scoring on a point-per-game place, it doesn't matter, mm-hmm. you know? 
like if you're putting out the points i don't care what you look like or how you're doing it i'm right? I, I have to say right now i'm not down in the dumps about joe thornton i think what yeah, the way right. he played right. last night was gave me optimism because totally. it was better than his first two games of the season where yeah. i thought him and the rest of the top line looked or the first right. line historical first line was not was slow and looked like not like they were contributing very much yeah but i think last night was more more positive yeah my point is is that i think you probably have to split pavelski and thornton and i think thornton right now okay i think thornton right now has proved that he can't take first line toi like he he can't take those minutes because his knee's not there yet yeah. But if he starts playing in the way like he was playing before, like yeah, he should be on the first line. He yeah, should be I getting more that... time on ice because he's because he was producing. But if you have Pavelski and Thornton to be- together, like there was a a goal, almost a direct result of Thornton being too slow on the first goal to start the game when they got the three on two. He got caught back and he couldn't get back, and he was back checking as hard as he could. And the person who scored the goal was Thornton's player, who he was like three feet behind. Yeah. And if you have Pavelski and Thornton together, that just gets magnified. So Yeah, you don't want to put both their slowness together, right? No, I get putting yeah. them with younger, faster players and splitting them apart might be. It'll be interesting to see what that looks like moving forward. I'm excited to see him get back in the lineup and, and start contributing yeah. again because I still think he has it within him to be For sure. the For player sure. that he is, right? So that's yeah, exciting. I think that I think that point last season before he got injured, when he was playing at that level... It was like, oh, dang, like, this bodes well for the Sharks' future, you know? Yeah. Oh, my gosh, I was so sad. He was scored. He already had, like, 12 goals halfway through the season last year. He was, <laughs> no. like, on a higher-than-usual scoring rate. In, I know, it's so sad. Um, yeah. Anyway, I think uh, we should probably wrap up pretty soon, but that, that was a good discussion about Thornton. I think something else that we should probably hit on is the – the goaltending um, and how it's mm-hmm. been in those last 14 games or so. Yeah. Um, Martin Jones has probably played nine, 10 games and Darren Dell has had four or five. I want to say something roughly like that. I can actually have it up. Let me, but anyway, I think Jones yeah. has been very at maybe at best average, um, at best, average, at best yeah, average sure. and maybe on the more ne- negative side. I think he struggled in a few games with letting some at least questionable goals in a, a few a few stinkers, right? Yeah, for sure. I think uh, the first the first game was bad. It was like really bad. Yeah, and it's the first game, and I think this is the third season in the row where Martin Jones has let in the first shot of the season in the first game he's played. But I think as player bad. overall, he was still shown that he's capable of making those good saves throughout the games. He just needs to clean up. Yeah. Not doing, not letting in crappy, <laughs> crappy goals. And then yeah. Dell, on the other hand, I think Dell's been playing pretty well. But I noticed when he was in his fourth or fifth start that like the prior three games he had played had like all gone to overtime, or something like that. And I think that he was kind of a little bit more victimized by some of the defensive errors by the players in front of him. And that's just a very blanket statement. I can't really substantiate that, but that's yeah. kind of the impression that I got when Dell was starting. I mean, so uh, I, have, I have three points. The first point is is that Martin Jones is playing very poorly. 
I wouldn't say very poorly. There is a there's a graph that I think Sean Tierney on Twitter, he's an advanced stats guy. He has the goals save above league average. Uh-huh. And it's basically if you're doing if you're doing completely league average, you will you will save zero total goals more like more or less than the average goaltender. John Gibson is like plus 11. Mm-hmm. Like he's literally saved 11 goals or more mm-hmm. so far across the season, which is basically one a game that he's saved that the other team should have because he's playing so hot. Martin Jones is second from the bottom and he's let in like eight more than he should have. Hold on, hold on here. Mm-hmm. This is this is kind of diving the stats a little bit, but you're yeah. you just compare the Sharks with the you just compare the Ducks goaltender with the Sharks goaltender. And yeah. I know with other statistics, John Gibson has probably seen more shots than any other goaltender. Yeah, that's so as an aggregate of total shots, he's probably seen another game or two's worth of <laughs> of shots compared to other goaltenders, maybe more, right? Versus Martin yeah. Jones, who probably sees some of the least amount of shots compared to other goaltenders. So it that is, is probably letting... skewing the results a little bit. If you compare just those two. Against Martin Jones making him even worse. John Gibson has seen way more shots. Yeah. The Ducks have been absolutely horrendous in terms of allowing shots. And if they didn't have if Ryan if if Ryan Miller has to be their starter for any period of time, they're done. Mm-hmm. Because Ryan Miller is totally fine. He's not Gibson and they're playing horrendously. Yeah. But But do you see the, what I'm saying? I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. However, that is all, it's all normalized. Okay. But what, what your point actually works against Martin Jones is because no, he's seen, I, I know that he's it can also work against and he's because letting even he's worse seeing, goals. Yeah, and that's the knock. Like, he's not seeing as many shots and he's letting more in. Yeah, but, but he's like also, Martin Jones has seen. Has but there's also going to be a lot of routine shots. saves in higher, in higher shot counts that a goalie sees, right? If, they're, if they see, you know, if they get. 35 shots on goal against them versus like 18, right? Mm-hmm. Those per, the percentage of those 35 shots against are probably going to be lower danger chances, right? Um, versus I mean, like if you I delve what into you're like, you know, like if it's a lower shot count, they, there might be more higher percentage of grade A or chances in there, you know. Uh, That's sure pretty nuanced. What I'm. Saying. Saying, I feel like. Yeah, I just like you can have 18 shots a game, and they all can be low quality, and you can have 35 shots a game. They could, but probably not. Yeah, I I mean, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I think we both agree that Martin Jones is playing below his usual self. Yes. And the thing is, is the goals that he's (laughs) let in, the goals that because he's 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 not terrible. You know, he's a little bit above average league. He's a little bit above average of a starting goalie in NHL, and that's all I want for for my goalie. I don't want to pay too much more so that we have to get the top, top, top talent. Like I want a little bit better than league average goalie and everything, and put the money elsewhere. And that's what Warren Jones provides. Great, but um, the goals that he's let in, like you said, they're like to- total stinkers. Some of them, some, they're just like some really of questionable. Them. Some, some, yes. Is but, that can- um, yeah? I read a I read an article by uh, Catherine Silverman, Cat Silverman. She writes for the Athletic. She's a beat writer for Phoenix. Okay. Um, and she writes for In Goal Magazine for like 
a goalie magazine, and she's a uh, goalie trainer. Okay. So she writes about goalies at the national level for the NHL, and she wrote an article about um, Martin Jones, and they kind of looked at some of the goals that he's let in, and basically, um, and I, I linked to this on my Twitter account, yeah. and then she also referenced an NHL article, which I found fascinating. But basically, she was saying the goals that are let in are not like, they're basically pushes laterally to his blocker's side. He's always been bad at that. Statistically, okay. he has let in more goals on that, pushing that side than pushing to the other side. He's let in more goals on the blocker side by like 2-3% than he has on his glove side. Okay. And the goals against this season have the, like, the ones where you're like, oh, he probably should have had that back. It's because of a weakness that he's already that's already been there. It's not like a lapse in form. It's just teams have been able to abuse that probably at a higher rate than normally would. Okay, interesting. So the comfort the comfort is, is that he hasn't regressed in like some area, some weird area. It's the fact that some of the goals that he's let in have been issues that already exist and have been with his game for the whole time. Yeah. And um it's not like he all of a sudden his glove hand like he's he's rotating his glove too far downwards so that it's not open enough for shots or something like that. It's like literally, yeah, he's been scored pushing across on the blocker side a couple times. Outside of the first couple of goals of the season where it was just like, dude, those are bad. I think he's shaken that off and now he's at the point where he's just back to where he was. And then you mentioned Aaron Dell. Like Aaron Dell is still making the same mistakes he was making the other day, like he has been. He's been playing the difference with Dell is is that he's been playing just as good as he pretty much always does. He's been playing just fine, but the goals against like he's been victimized for his inherent game style yeah. qualities as well. Like there was the goal the other day where he pushed outside of the blue paint for oh, like a wraparound. Oh, he was far too aggressive he's, and he got beat on the wraparound. And then Duclair scored Duclair. a wraparound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that was, that was a bad mistake. I did not like, like that. Yeah, it was terrible. You're like, well, yeah, you way overcommitted. And Dell is definitely more of a overcommitting type player, whereas Jones is a little bit deeper, a little bit more upright, and um, isn't very acrobatic. And Dell is much more acrobatic. See, you know that that makes me think of something though, because I'm very middle of the road about this goaltending issue right now. Me I too. think like the offense and defense, I think it'll sort itself out a little bit. But I also mm -hmm. that makes me thinking that Rangers game. That was Rangers, right? He's on the, uh, was it Blue Jackets? Duclair is on the Blue Jackets. So okay, yeah, yeah. So Dell the Blue Jackets came, I think. Blue Jackets. Oh, shoot. I think, well, if that was a game that Dell played, I think there was a, a couple of the other goals were like, just like missed defensive assignments. Exactly. Lets, one of them was like a cross ice, like one-timers. Like, why is nobody covering player mm -hmm. and that's the type of defensive errors that i that i see us making like every once in a while and we're getting beat on them um yeah exactly and that's the thing yeah. is goaltending is a function of your defense yeah 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 and how your forwards play defense as well not just your defenders play defense too like there was a goal that i think jones let in where it was early in the season and someone on the broadcast was talking about how Carlson was just, like, not doing well that game because Carlson was guarding, like, this big, beefy guy, some player, I forget what team it was against, like, one of their bigger guys trying to clear them out of the net, 
with one hand and his stick, his other hand with the stick was like in the air. He like mm-hmm. wasn't even tying up the stick. And it's like, well, of course the goal is going to get let in because when the rebound and shot comes in, it's just his stick on the ice. It's yeah. like Carlson isn't doing anything. It's like the goalie is not getting any help. Yeah. So should Dell get more starts? No. Like, I think yeah, it's fine. Yeah, we're not at that like, point. It's, it's almost, it's almost uh, for every one start, it's for almost, for every three starts Jones gets, Dell gets one. And I think that's fine. And that's a lot so far. Yeah, it's been like exactly. about yeah, it's like one third, which is a lot so far, you know. Yeah, and I, I think Jones has kind of cleaned it up a little bit. Um, he definitely had a rough go in the beginning, and every goalie is going to give up the odd goal, but uh, Jones has showed he has the capability to be a good starter, and there's no reason to think why he can't be. There will be periods of every player where they go through. Where forwards go through scoring droughts, where defensemen have lapses of games where they aren't playing as well, and their goalies, when they make mistakes, it results in goals. So, like, that will come in, and that's fine. Yeah. But Dell has shown previously when he had the chance to show that this is a starting role when Dell, when Jones was hurt last season, when he had his, like, hip issue or whatever, where he got, like, four or five starts in a row, like, he did not look as good. And... It was even more than that. I think it was five or six or seven, maybe. Maybe I'm exaggerating. But, yeah, he, he definitely got, like, a string of starts in a row, just like a starter would, and he did not necessarily live up to the task or even his normal style of play, his normal level of play over that time. So... Yeah, if Jones was getting, like, an 8 point... Like, a point eight seven five save percentage, like, something that was really terrible, I would maybe be more inclined to be having him sit more, but... That's just not the case. Yeah, so Jones has a 900 save percentage. Dell has a 913. Jones has a 2.69 goals against average, and Dell has a 2.71. So Jones has seen more shots, had more scored against, and he's saving a smaller percentage of them, but as a game, they're basically the same. Like, it's going to even out. Like, I don't... Yeah, you'd like to see him get... The thing is... We have bigger problems, you know? And we're not losing games because Jones is playing poorly. Like, maybe he'll let in a... Maybe he lost us the first game. For sure. Right. The first game of the season. That was Like, that was his fault. Like, that sucks. But after that, he hasn't lost us a game. Like, maybe he's let in a goal every once or a couple of games that he should have back. But the issue with the Sharks now is their lack of effort over these past, like, five, six games... And even then, they're still above 500 in a very weak Pacific division where currently Vancouver is leading the pack. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't have to worry about the Ducks. The Kings are on, like, a six-game losing streak plus. They look absolutely terrible. Um, Just fired their head coach. Really? Yeah, you see that John Stevens got fired? Was that today? Yeah, it's been, like, all over. Oh, uh, I, haven't, I haven't looked at Twitter that much today because we were, we were out. Oh my gosh, I'll have to look at that. That's crazy. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Willie Desjardins. And, and guess who the assistant coach is? Marco Sturm is oh, the new uh, assistant coach, and Willie Desjardins is the new head coach. Marco Interim Sturm led Germany now. to a silver medal at the World, at the Olympics, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Former Shark. Go, go him. Yeah. Also was traded in the deal to get Thornton. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so I think... I think 
things will even out. I, I don't really care about the goalie thing because it's the same every season. Dell is a good backup. Great. Dell, if if our normal goalie was as um, aggressive as Dell is, teams would have that book on us, and it would be like Tim Thomas, where the first couple of seasons where he was playing that crazy style, it was amazing. And then teams were like, oh, you know what? Like, if we just go around him a little bit, like, he's screwed. And then after that, he was quickly thrown out of the NHL because he was just abused. And maybe he'd improve, and maybe that's a little bit dramatic, but I don't really think there's any sort of goalie controversy. Martin Jones has been playing worse. Yes. So I think Dell has gotten a few more starts earlier than he would have, but we're lucky to have Dell as a starter, as a backup. Yeah. Anyway, I think we, you and I both agree that this, this team is, is middling uh, in their potential. With the ability to be higher. Yeah. Oh, their ceiling is so high. And, like, I think you still see it in the way that we drive possession and drive play. It's really exciting and fun to watch. I think mm-hmm. scoring more on our chances, I think cleaning up defensive miscues and mistakes, and then with that kind of, like you said, as a function of that having a bit better partly as a function of that having better goaltending and things should work themselves out a little bit and I'm excited for some of the floodgates to to open a little bit Carlson getting his first goal maybe getting some more assists Um, Thornton getting his legs back over time that'll probably be more gradual some of our young players getting a bit more confident like Sue Omela maybe Donskoy getting out of a slump again Donskoy man (sighs) Donskoy is so frustrating He's been really fast, I think. But he's he, so fast, and he has so, so much skill. But he gets knocked down so easily, and he just like doesn't put up points. Yeah. And you're like, why don't you put up points? Yeah, I think LeBanc. That was good for him to have that really nice assist last night with the pass to Bavelski on the power play. Yeah. I think he's been struggling, and I think oh, having him sure. turn a corner has been good. And then hopefully, just mm-hmm. ho- hoping Timo just continues to be one of the best players in the NHL for this season. Couture has been amazing. And now that's another thing we should come to. Hurdle oh. likely has a concussion after a hit to the head. Hopefully um, he gets treated and, and comes back when he's ready. But hopefully that's, I mean, not too soon because it's a concussion, but also not a very. I mean, recently I got a concussion the other day. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure if I told the viewers about that. But yeah, I was playing hockey. And it was uh, an evaluation skate to build the t- the league forms the teams for us in our like adult league, and then there's like a thing that you go out to and everyone skates around and they're like oh they try to level out the teams, and like it's a, like a low key scrimmage and someone like hits me, and tries to like shove me down in front of the net and I hit my head really hard, and uh, I was like well. That was harder than normal. That was a few months ago, wasn't it? Yeah, I got a concussion, and it was a few months ago. And the prognosis was seven to ten days, and by the, like, eighth day, I felt great, so. Yeah, it's... You know, it's it's, it's exactly vary, that. Though. It could be could be yeah. terrible. It could be a lot. It could be five days, and he feels fine. So let's... Fingers crossed that it's no ill effects and he's he's back to playing soon i just want i don't i don't want him to come back prematurely i want to make sure oh, oh for sure the type of a head injury you, you don't want a player to come back before they're ready you know yeah and, and it's also very obvious to as a as the person suffering yeah. like oh you want to go 
quickly jog to your car so before the while it's raining or something from the store it's like oh my gosh i feel like i'm gonna throw up it's like that's not normal yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you shouldn't feel lightheaded after jogging for 10 seconds like yeah yeah uh it sucks though you know hurdle i thought mm-hmm. was dominant. uh dominant player you know that line is so dominant but i thought the way he just protects the puck and mm-hmm. oh his puck protection skills are, i feel like are probably second to none on the team right now well, honestly i think he might be the best at puck protecting on the team yeah just just yeah. pure puck protection along the boards yeah and we saw that game against anaheim where chartier got his first goal but that goal was created by hurdle doing the tight wraparound, and then Chartier mm-hmm. got, like, the second wraparound chance, which he scored. And, oh, I've been so happy uh, with the way... You, you know, my, my father-in-law came to the game with us, and I told him, I was like, was watch 48. Like, watch how he, like, plays and protects his back. Like, he's just getting fun to watch. And the way he played in the playoffs last year, and... And that's and why it's so, so sad if this affects his play because we've seen it in the past seasons he'll get going injury and it takes yeah. him a long time to get back and this is a little bit different than what he's experienced in the past i mean yeah um i mean maybe he's had a concussion during you know his pre-nhl days or something like that but yeah but it was his knee injuries that were really only back um his first couple of years right yeah so but i mean we saw dan boyle not be the same after his concussion dan boyle had a very he had a he had a intense intense concussion head injury it seems like yeah so yeah Um, hurdle hoping and praying that it's a minor and he's back soon but not back too early yeah definitely you know what i think evander kane has been not good lately (laughs) yeah yeah like he got demoted to the third line i'm like "Mm, yeah like i see that I think yeah. his so- shot selection is poor. Yeah, he always... I think he gives up the puck when he comes down the wing and he's, like, the only player coming in. He it's always like goes along the back. half wall tightly, you know? Yeah, it's like he... That's such a low scoring chance. Like, unless the goalie... Unless you made the goalie move laterally or there's a screen or there's a deflection or something like that, the goalie should never have a clear side of the puck when you take a shot. Unless you're, like, super close in, right? But when you're at the top of the circles firing a shot on just, like, a not, like, a breakaway rush or, like, a turnover rush, like, that's not a very high, like, oh, zone entry and no, there's no support? Let's just fire it on net from just above the top of the circles. That's a wasted shot, and he's doing that a lot. Instead of doing that button hook, go around the lo- below the net to, like, buy time for a teammate to come in. Yeah. I think that's I think that's hurting him. I think his shot's he's selection. a hold it more. But, to, and then also when they're in the zone, he probably needs to get in front of the goaltender more. I think they yeah, commented that on that in the broadcast the other day how like he's going for the deflection and the tip, but just get in the goalie's eyes, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. He's got a big body, and he's really good with his hands. Like, yeah, to go for it. So I think the Sharks will even out. The division, we're not in any sort of, like, <laughs> like worry, you know. It's fine. The division will sort itself out. I think Quick got hurt recently, so I'm not sure if he's still hurt or whatever. But Oh, I think he's out for months. I think he, t- he had meniscus surgery. 
dude, her, he can't. He's one of those guys who just can't stay healthy. Um, but like Calgary is, so they have 15 games played and they're at 19 points for first. 15 planes game, 15 games played for Vancouver, 18 points for second. Edmonton at 13 games played, they're 17 points, and the Sharks are tied for 17 points for fourth with 14 games played. And then below us are Anaheim, Arizona, Vegas, and Los Angeles. LA's so last just, in the league. Yeah, because they're utterly terrible. And they have I'm, the worst goal differential at minus 17. If the Ducks did not have... If Gibson gets injured for any sort of time, the Ducks season is not just like... It's already like not going to go well for them. They'll be like bottom of the barrel. Mm-hmm. And also, Vegas, loving it. Loving it. Seventh. Oh, yeah, dude. Pacific. I'm like, I'm so be- glad that they're like back down to earth right now. Dude, be bad for a very long time. <laughs> That's the bitterness right there. <laughs> yeah, and it's founded, and I don't care. And it's. I hate it's that found. team. <laughs> we haven't played. Watch us lose our Their first game. Their freaking like, pregame like, show got more coverage than the Sharks do like nationally every year. And they're like, look at this guy play with the sword. It's like, okay, sure, it's fun. It's Vegas. It's different. <laughs> it's the same show every every game. Watch us like lose our first game to them, and we're just gonna be like pissed all over again. We're gonna be so pissed again, yeah. <laughs> but like the thing is, is they they lost players and they replaced it with players who have not been doing as well. We don't play and, them till November twenty fourth. It looks like. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, let's wrap this up. This has been a long podcast, but it's been good because we covered a, uh, about an eighth, yeah. a little bit more than the eighth of the season. So maybe I'll see you game 28? <laughs> no, we'll probably, I think generally around every 10 games or so we'll try to record. But Yeah. But it might be like that next time because uh, we're going into holiday season. So Yeah, definitely. Could be a little while. Any, any quick parting thoughts? Uh, I'm excited. I, I think there's a lot to be optimistic about with the team getting things together and Carlson mm-hmm. finding his way and kind of like we had mentioned before. So I'm excited for the upcoming games. And this is a really fun team to watch. Like this is the yeah. one of the most fun Sharks teams to watch in a long time. I think. Yeah, I think when people also just be optimistic. You know, like yeah. when you're watching the games, like. DeBoer does some okay. line shuffling. Like we're doing, we're doing cool. We're good. We're all instead right. of instead of just being all mad at DeBoer, just be like, you know what, the Sharks can win. You know, this is okay. Yeah. Every game that we watch is the opportunity for Eric Carlson to score his first goal as a Shark. <laughs> I know. Just hoping. You know, and hoping. that keeps me going. That keeps. That's one of those things where I'm like, oh my gosh, this, this is going to be the game. Yeah, the anticipation is building so much that when he finally scores, it's going to be like a uh, overreaction. <laughs> Yeah, he's going to have a hat trick his first game where he scores. That would be nice. Yeah, I'll take that. All right, man. Well, go Sharks, and uh, we'll see you all next time when we go back to the point. Back to the point. Back to the point.